Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister. I am the CEO of ScaleX.ai and this is the Living a Better Story podcast and hosted by myself and Rich Blakeman. And today I have the honor of having Gregory with me. Greg is the CEO of LGC Communications and he's been the CEO for nearly 30 years at this point. So I bet he's got a story or two to tell us today in the next 30 minutes. And I'll, Greg, try to do that. I'll try to do that without an adult, without an adult beverage. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. And um, so, Greg, how do I say your last name? Greg Demetrio. Demetrio. D-E-M-E-T-R-I-O-U. Correct. That's I a lot of owls. IOU is the story of my life. <laughs> IOU. That's exactly right. And so you've been the CEO for 30 years. What did you do before that? I was, I'm a New York City detective. Oh, wow. That's pretty interesting. I'll bet you uncovered some interesting cases. I, uh, in your yeah, day. I did. I worked undercover for a lot of years, semi-undercover. I wound up in the Manhattan DA squad where I retired from because I got hurt. Oh, wow. That is so curious. Yeah. Well, that's going to be interesting because the purpose of this show is to help our listeners discover who, you know, how do they become the best version of themselves, basically. And a lot of that I've found goes back to when you're a kid, uh, because when you're a kid, you have an unfiltered view of the world. Your parents haven't yet impacted you. You don't go to church yet. You're just a kid. And so what was your passion when you were young, maybe five, six years old? What are some of your first memories? Uh, that's tough because I can't remember last week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I tell everybody, and I really mean this to the bottom of my heart, I had the best childhood on record. Uh, we had a very large family, lots of aunts and uncles and cousins around. And I can't remember uh, harsh words being spoken. Uh, I can remember being treated like everybody's son. And uh, the family I had was just solid American family. Uh, my grandparents were from the Bayou country in New Orleans. My father was born in Athens, um, and uh, it was just a, an interesting, interesting, wonderful, wonderful childhood in Brooklyn, actually. Wow, that's awesome. So I picture Brooklyn 
kids playing out by a fire hydrant getting water in the street. Is that an inaccurate assumption or is there? Not at, not at all. And the block was the extension of the family. We were in townhouses in Brooklyn, which now sell for multi-millions of dollars. But we, back in the day, they did not. Uh, but anyhow, so yeah, you walked out on the street, you could be in anybody's house because they were all like an extended family. It was wonderful. It was really idyllic. Wow. It, it feels like we could get back to that and life would be good. Oh, yes, it would. I'm, yeah, it would. It so was. if you think back to those days, to what you're doing now with, you know, with your life, is there a secret connection between, you know, you have an amazing, amazing family upbringing to what you're doing in life now? Well, I think it kept me from going too far up the deep end. I always say that uh, God put me on a very, very long leash. Uh, but he never let go, which is thank you, Lord, because I was not the really best kid in the whole world growing up. I was not, you know, a choir boy for sure. Uh, and I have lots of stories about that, which we'll go into another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I think that's true. And my wife gives me a very long leash, too. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, mine as well. So it's, it's a long story. It, it's one that that I wouldn't have missed for the world. Yeah, I've done awesome. lots of different things. I, I went into the police department. I wasn't even 18 year, years old yet. And they sent me up to East Harlem to a detective squad where they thought I was supposed to be another detective. And they taught me how to be a detective at 18 years old, um, which flavored my whole career because that's all I ever wanted to do. So I worked undercover, semi-undercover. Then I went up in the DA squad. I got shot in the bank stick up. I wound up retiring after that. I went to work with a brother of mine uh, in the uh, securities uh, communications business, mailing proxy for the old defunct Payne Weber. And when he passed away very suddenly, his partners closed the business and I was out of work. And that's how I got into the mailing business. I bought a small little company. Uh, Lorraine and I pulled what money we had. We bought this small little company because I had to buy a job. And we bought that in 1992. And uh, fast forward to today, we're in 25,000 square feet. We have 35 employees. We're a premier integrated marketing company here in our region. And uh, it's been a hell of a ride. Mm, congratulations. Oh, well, I forgot. I was a real estate broker in the middle of, in the context of all of that, by the way. Okay. What, um, so I heard you, you know, you kind of rolled through the piece about being shot in a bank heist. Um, we go through physical pain in life and mental pain in life. And, you know, my son, in fact, had, had a second, third, third degree burns on his face and hands three weeks ago. Oh my he goodness. Was cooking, it caught fire, poof, he put water on it and it was terrible. And so the next day his statement was, dad, I, I'm just happy this happened to me. So it doesn't have to happen to anyone else in the family. Wow. Like he had that amazing of a person. Wow, that's an amazing kid. And now three weeks later, his face is nearly all healed. It's, oh, wonderful, it's wonderful. a magical experience. Wonderful. His hands, he, he just had some, uh, a thing called resell where they don't actually have to, you know, do a full skin graft. It's just partial. Oh. It's like a spray paint can of spin graft, uh, skin graft. So anyway, long and short is he asked me, dad, what's the most amount of pain you ever had? And I was like, I guess kind of when I was in my car accident or, you know, you try to think about it and then a friend of mine was in the marines and he said well i've been shot stabbed and blown up 
And the most pain I've ever had is with a kidney stone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is painful. I can attest to that. Yeah. So, attest. so think about a painful memory, and then well, how did that impact you later that, in a positive way? You know, that was, I, I look at the day that I got shot. It was August seventeenth, eleven thirty-six in the morning, in Grand Central Station in Manhattan. It was a beautiful summer day, and uh, we we didn't do street crime. We were detectives working on an organized crime case. And we ran across the uniform cop who was running north on Park Avenue South. And he had his radio up and, you know, we just joined the chase. What do you got? And he says, I got a bank robber and there he goes. And uh, being the youngest and the fastest, I was right behind him going in the doors of Grand Central and he was ready and I was not. Uh, he was there in a combat police stance and shot me in the chest. And then he turned around and he shot the uniform cop and killed him. Mm. So there I am sitting on the floor in Grand Central Station with a bullet hole in my chest with blood running down between my fingers. And I'm just waiting to die. Uh, and the, the experience is, I can remember it like it was today. First of all, I could see the bullet coming out of the barrel of his gun with the orange flesh behind it. But sitting on the floor, I remember it was like a calm, lake, perfectly calm. I said my apologies to God. I said, God, I've been a bad boy. I tried to make it up. I hope that's good enough. And then I sat there and I waited to die. And I did not. Uh, they rushed me to the, to the um, Bellevue Hospital along with Tommy Schimenti, may he rest in peace, the cop who died. And we were in the same ambulance. And I knew he was gone when we got to the emergency room because they stopped working on him and they were working on me. Uh, that was the biggest, most traumatic event that has ever happened to me. Uh, it lasts my whole life. I remember it every day, every year it comes up. The August is a tough month for me. Um, I, I wound up developing PTSD several months later and that was another shakeup of my life. Uh, and I was just fortunate enough that I didn't go that, that deep, deep rabbit hole and have su suicide ideation. I didn't, never got there, but I can understand how guys get there. Mm -hmm. And that's one of my biggest causes today to, to help combat some of the suicides we're experiencing from PTSD. But that's the most traumatic um, day of my life, actually. Other than, other than when my brother died in my arms when we wore the scan. So that's another story. Wow. 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 Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I kept these ribbons that you put around your hand when you go see your son, because you go see him and you're like, if he breathed it in the wrong way, he's a goner. If he opened his eyes, his eyes are gone. And none of that happened. And I'm like, okay, second chance. And then I was in a car accident in... Havasu, Arizona, 120 degree weather. We got hit head on. And a friend of mine got pulled from the top of the convertible 30 feet in the air. He was hurled and he lived. And, wow. you know, I hit my head on the windshield. That was a painful experience. But uh, I was dating my wife, my now wife for four years at the time. And it really caused me to go, wait a minute, what am I doing? I love this woman. <laughs> I need to move forward with something. And yeah. so a lot of times these painful experiences, like you said, the calm sea, the calmness, 
you could you could see the other side and you're like you know what i probably need to do something a little bit differently than I'm Chad, you know i wasn't that smart even after the fact i was not that smart <laughs> it took a long time i'm a slow learner it took me a long time to wrap my head around the fact that i was screwing up my own life and i needed to do something different i mean i have four grown sons now and i have two stepchildren and i wouldn't have any of that if i stayed on the track that i was on so mm -hmm. I give credit to the good Lord above who, who pulled back on that leash and said, you know, hey, listen, I, I even know the name of my guardian angel. Oh, really? His name is Roy. And Roy, you could picture a, picture a retired linebacker, beat up, helmet askew, tearing his jersey, and he's there for me because I kicked his ass my whole life, and he's all beat to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's funny that it's Roy because my friend and I used to go to Vegas and we'd always joke around about Roy. So there you go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. There we go. Um, I've had a blessed life. There's no wow. Well, one of the things at the at the Living a Better Story retreat that we did, one gentleman named Eric Dunavant, he's the CEO of a company called Paradium, and he helps founders and CEOs restructure their lives to make sure that they pass on. Uh, not just their wealth to their kids and their kids' kids, but also other things. And so his main message for the group was, it, it was funny, shut up and pray, <laughs> shut up and read the Bible, and shut up and act. Because if you can just ask, you know, hey, God, what do you want for me next? Um, and then read the Bible, because there's some contextually interesting stories that I think were done thousands of years ago that fully represent everything that we go through in today's world. And, um, and then actually do something about what you hear from the top, right? Well, you always have to, you always have to wonder why, why in my case, I dodged a bullet, literally dodged a bullet three times. I should have been dead three times. I was at the doorstep, it didn't happen. So I, every day I question, all right, why did you leave me here? Show me the opportunity. Right. Let me see what you need. Right. Because I'm too stupid to figure it out myself. <laughs> so I got to wait for the Holy Spirit to come and say, hey, Greg, do this. Do I've done several things like that, though, for sure. That's right. Um, all right. So what would you like to accomplish? And, and this one's a loaded question because it's funny. You really need to live in the moment we're in. Right. And I think a lot of people screw it up by looking too far back, looking too far forward. And they really need to live. But that aside, what 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 would change everything for you if if one thing happened? What would that be? If I could get all my kids to come back to church. Ah, uh, nice. I just bought a book called Return, and it's about I didn't even know crack the cover yet. It's about helping figure out how to do that. They're all adults. They're all wonderful, wonderful men. They're great fathers. They're good uh, producers, good earners, but yet they don't feel the obligation to be connected to God. They said, oh, no, I could pray anytime. Well, yes, you can, but you need structure. You need instruction. You need people to tell you what that's all about. You need to learn your faith more deeply, right? Mm -hmm. I've been fortunate to be able to get to that point, all right? So I'm always searching. I'm always trying to learn, trying to listen. Um, you know, I do a bunch of different things um, in, in, I have a one folder on my, on my desktop, it's called writing for God. 
I do a lot of writing and that's where I keep my columns that I write. I have a website and I have all kinds of different things I'm doing, trying to find the opportunities that I can take the blessings that he's given me and put them to work. Wow. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I don't know. Uh, maybe someday we'll find out I help somebody, but we'll see. Well, there was a good sermon recently at Elevation Church where we used to go when we lived in North Carolina. Now we're in Denver. And he said, to God, the speed, the, the big problems that are in our lives, like being shot <laughs> or uh, being in a car wreck or having your face second, third degree burns are little problems to him. So I liken it to a speed bump in the road, right? Boop. To God, that's like, no problem. To God, also, the little things that we do that impact other people are actually enormous to God. And the ripple effect of the stuff that we do, even if it feels this little, I'll see something come back 10 years later where you go, what? You framed that letter that I sent you? A great, a great instructor for that is uh, St. Teresa, the little flower. Her philosophy was the, exactly what you just said. The little things matter. And she would do little things for everybody. You know, she was not, she had no, didn't have a selfish bone in her body. And she did the little things that mattered mm. to people. She was in a convent. And if there was an elderly nun, she'd take her chores and things like that. She would just be a benefit to other people. And I, I find that's what gives me um, all right, so the winter here up in New York, right? It's snowing like to beat the band. There's a guy walking down the street. I drive past him. I turned around and I picked him up. Why? You answer that question. Why? The little things. The little things. Yeah. The little things. That's right. Um, right when I was walking out of the hospital where my son was at, there were 51 people in a 19 bed burn center, but there were 51 because the frostbite, it was minus eight in Colorado and it doesn't get to minus eight. So a lot of people who don't have a roof over their heads were put in and they, you know, finger problems and everything yeah, yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. And many of these folks were standing on the street corner, right. When you turn to the hospital, like six of them. And so one guy comes up to my car and I'm like, you know what, if you can, what's wild is if you look at all children are God's children and you have the level of empathy that, that I had for my son, I'm like, okay, if I really had that same level of empathy for the guy standing on the street corner, life would be a heck of a lot different. And so, you know, I, I, I gave, I had, I had $1,200 in my wallet. I gave him a hundred to, and said, here, take care of some of these folks. Yep. And it's like, oh, that's so, it, it seems so easy and yet we make it hard. We, 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 we miss the opportunities more than we identify them and act on them. Yes. And that's the regret. And that's the prayer that I have. My car ride to work, it's about a six mile ride and it's about 15 minutes up here in Long Island. And that's my prayer time. And my, part of my prayer time is, hey, God, show me, show me. Show me, show me. Well, let me tell you what we're going to do. I just literally this morning, as luck would have it, I got the quote from a developer team. There's this app. Have you ever heard of an app called 75 Hard? No. Probably not. It's a lot of CEOs, entrepreneurs. I, I started hearing about this app. I'm like, huh. Well, it's 75 days of working out, two times a day, 45 minutes each. Drink a gallon of water. 
read 10 pages in a book and follow a diet. And there might be one or two other things. And so it's an app. You just log in in the morning. It says, did you do your 45 minute workout? Check the box. Did you drink your water? So I did it for 75 days. It ended on December 31st. And, and no, no alcohol, by the way, is the other one. Oh, that's, see, that's a game changer for me. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't I drink, only drink sacramental wine. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last day was the hard, you know, it's like, okay, I made it. And it happened to be New Year's and it wasn't planned. And so I'm like, uh, okay, I'm going to have two scotches. and this There is. you go. There but you my go. point of that story is that we're going to build an app. We think it's going to be called Living a Better Story. But again, when you turn over the keys to God, you never know where the car is going to go. And to your kids' points, I can understand. I don't go to church every Sunday. And, and yet I feel connected. Well, I need more guidance than that. And so why not build an app that's like 75 hard, that's, that goes viral, that says, hey, it's not going to be hard. You don't have to work out twice a day, but here, read a Bible verse. It's going to pop in your, it's going to pop up once, once or twice a day. Pray, could be two minutes, and we're going to give you the structure of the prayer. Do something nice for someone, uh, you know, maybe in your family and out of your family. Right. And imagine the momentum that we can create with millions of people and it's i don't know if we'll charge for this app probably not <laughs> right? that's, that's got some legs to it that really does i was listening to what you were going to have it has legs i get one every morning now because it's lent time and i'm catholic and it's it's the gospel for the day short little two paragraph analysis mini homily if you will yes of the day's reading I look forward to it. every morning with my coffee. I, that popped that right it, up. It changes your perspective on life, no it's matter grounded. what we're going through. And keep we're, you, we're keep going you grounded through. and humble. Yeah. yeah keep that's you right. grounded and humble. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are you tolerating in your business right now that you feel you maybe shouldn't be tolerating? 25,000 feet, 35 employees. What do you tolerate that you really maybe shouldn't be tolerating? Well, we're carrying some of the people who are less than keeping up their end of the bargain, if you will. And I'm doing that. I know I'm doing it. I shouldn't be doing it. It's a terrible thing for a CEO to do, but I know I'm doing it. And why am I doing it? Because I know what their personal situation is. Mm -hmm. our, our pastor, when we got married, said, you can do anything for any amount of time as long as you know why. Yeah. And I always fall back on that one yeah. frequently. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. I'm not going to, you know, it's not going to change my life any. It may change their life some. A little tolerance, a little acceptance, a little respect for their, an empathy for their situation. I mean, I've had people who needed teeth. They had no teeth in their mouth and I gave them money on the side. Here, go take care of that. Mm. You know, and when I see her smile now, it makes me feel great. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah. makes God feel great. <laughs> um, what? So final question, what role does faith play in your journey? We covered it a little bit, but you know, before we sign out, what does faith play in your journey? It keeps me humble. It keeps me humble and thankful for the blessings I have. You know, it's really interesting because the faith side, in retrospect, you know when you screwed up. I'm haunted, haunted by somebody that I fired and I was not nearly as forgiving as I should have been. 
I put the CEO hat on and I excluded everything else. And to this day, and this is years ago, this is maybe a good three, four years ago. I regret doing that. And I, I asked for forgiveness to do, for doing that because he was crying. And I was so adamant that he had to be fired. Mm. And it wasn't the end of the world what he did. And I was trying to make an example of him and not hold him close, I guess. Mm. And not say, hey, guess what? You screwed up. And, you know, let's make sure this doesn't happen again. I mean, I hope God doesn't hold me to the same standard that I have that poor guy to. Mm. Well, the, the phrase there that comes to my mind is forgive them. They know not what they do, right? People, you, me, and everybody are raised in the way we're raised, where we're raised, by the people we're raised by. You had the luckiness of having a nice family. Other people don't. And so, you know, when you go places and you see people that are, you know, having a tough life and you go, you know what, I, I respect you, I, you know, and if you do something that is wrong, well, you, you know, you probably do that for like that, you know, in other employees or people in the network, you know, they do what they think is right. So, you know, what's funny though, uh, uh, Chad, is that being free to have these types of conversations and not worry about, oh, what are my colleagues gonna think? Oh my goodness, he's a holy roller or what? I'm far from a holy roller. I drink, I cuss, you know, I like women. You know, I'm far from a holy roller. But what I am is, is sincere about who I am. And whenever I've peeled back the curtain just a little bit with my business associates, you're so surprised how people respond. I just did an interview the other day with a dear friend of mine. He started out as a client and now he's one of my best, best, best friends. And we talk, I mean, we cry together. We, he had a terrible upbringing and he had, was abused and just a whole bunch of stuff happened to him. And he and I are like this, we're like blood brothers, brothers from another mother and why? because I exposed to him and he exposed to me the humanity of who we are, mm -hmm. not just we're business professionals. We talk about all types of spiritual things, uh, very much like this conversation. I don't know, quite frankly, I know I just met you, but I'm putting it out there. Hey, you know, where's this coming from? Guess what? Not coming from me, it's coming from him. Yeah, that's right. He said, Love Greg, it. I gave you this, you need to tell people about it. And I don't hold back. I don't hold back. Yeah. Well, Greg, I've, I've enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure our listeners will as well. I thank you for investing the time and being authentic and sharing your story. Um, so oh, my God. We could go back for part two, three, four, five. We could yeah. have a whole series going on here. Well, we're going to be doing one once per quarter, the Living a Better Story thing, at least to start. And we're going to be moving all over the country. So, uh, Are you really? Yeah, nice. we'll have to do one on the East Coast sometime nice. soon. So uh, let me ask you, and, and this, I guess your audience would like to know too, when is your port, when do you, when do you produce, uh, publish your podcast? So Every the podcast, I, I literally have done the first two sessions and it the first one will go live in about a week or two. Um, mm -hmm. So, and then we'll be doing it at least two times a month. Uh, probably one a week is how yeah. I did the last one. And I- That's I, what we're doing. We're doing one a week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I look forward to them. Send me the link. Of course, I'd love to see mine. Send me the link and we'll promote it. 
Absolutely. Well, Greg, really great getting to know you. God bless you and the rest of your year. Thank you, Chad. Appreciate it. Stay safe. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.